Aloha Foilers, welcome to another episode of Foil the World. I'm your host, Brian Finch, and this episode is brought to you by Deep Relief CBD on Instagram, as well as Real Water Sports on Instagram and realwatersports.com. You can use my affiliate code FOIL THE WORLD at checkout for expedited, upgraded shipping at no cost to you and it helps support the show. Today, I have a very special guest, Will Pollard. Will is a fighter jet pilot in the U.S. Marine Corps. He's been a huge supporter of the show. Myself, he's bought uh, a bunch of merch and stickers, and we've been IG buddies um, since 2018, so it's been a long time, and Will came into town here um, yesterday and, and today, and we're hanging out, and it's so cool to meet Will in person and get in a session. You can, wa- you can follow Will at W-I-L-L-P-O-L-L-A-R-D number one. Will is also the founding member of the East Carolina Foil Club. That's at East underscore Carolina underscore Foil underscore Club out of New Bern, North Carolina. Let's get into the show. Will Pollard, welcome to Foil the World podcast. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. The uh, honor is mine to finally meet you. So, man, it's uh, feelings mutual. I don't want to incite a makeout session here, but um, you've been such an awesome, uh, you know, Instagram friend and supporter of the show, and it's uh, it's it's so awesome that we got to meet in person, get a session in today, and uh, and now record this podcast. I'm ecstatic. Yeah, Thank for you. sure. So, well, um, let's you know start out with the basic, uh, you know, brief history. Who who are you? Where are you yeah, coming thanks. from? Yeah, thanks. I am uh, born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. So landlocked, right? No ocean. Uh, but spent my summers going to the South Georgia coast. Um, not a place known for good ways for surfing, but nevertheless, uh, every kid I think tries. So spent uh, the summers doing that and. Um, Moved on through high school and uh, college and ended up joining the Marine Corps after college, which brought me to where I am today in New Bern, North Carolina, which was my real introduction to uh, water sports there close to the Outer Banks in North Carolina. I've, I've always experienced just north of here, uh, the South South Carolina coast and the Georgia coast, uh, and it's just a little bit different out there in the Outer Banks with uh, deeper water, heavier seas, uh, more wind. And I uh, have loved living out there for about 10 years uh, with my wife and uh, two healthy daughters. So I'm very lucky to have a great family. And uh, we really enjoy being on, being surrounded, being in the water uh, as much as possible. So kind of takes me into where I uh, found your Instagram page. And I think today you hear a lot of people dogging on social media and stuff. But this is definitely one of the benefits of meeting someone like yourself in Hawaii and being able to connect and then, uh, you know, years later meet in person and, um, learn a lot. So thanks for what you do on your page and YouTube and all of it. Oh man. Thank you. That's pleasure's mine, man. Um, it is pretty bizarre, right? Like digital friends and then real life friends. Um, you know, there's definitely pitfalls in social media, but it's, I think it's, in the hand of the user, you know, you can be like anything, you can abuse it or you can use it as a, you know, a benefit and, and a tool. Yeah, for sure. When did you first become aware of foiling? I think, um, 
just like I've heard in the previous podcasts that you've done, there's some common threads in it, and it, I believe, runs through the majority of us, minus, you know, Kyle Linney or Laird Hamilton. But uh, yes, I saw Step Into Liquid. Um, I rode an air chair once, you know, and it was always there. But uh, when in the late 2015, 2016, I was aware of kind of um, what was happening, I guess, in Hawaii and what those guys were doing uh, well beyond any type of consumer activity that I would ever be able to try. But I'm lucky to be involved with some high adrenaline activities and uh, this looked like something I wanted to try. So I think my love of the water, I was a swimmer in high school and a little bit in college. And most people's experience in the water is it, um, you know, face, face deep, neck deep, shoulders, right? That's your perspective. And that's good. That's great. That's what most people experience their whole life. Uh, when I moved to where I do live now in Newburn, North Carolina, there was a small stand-up paddle shop called Stand-Up Outfitters, and I learned stand-up there, which to me was a huge perspective change of now standing on the water. I'd spent years of my life trying to surf, right, garage sale surfboards, getting maybe 30 seconds a year of a close out wave at a terrible break, you know, and standing of, of cumulative ride time. Exactly. <laughs> per year, right? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, but standing on the water moving forward was like, wait a minute, this is awesome. This is really cool. And then stand up paddle kind of gave me that same perspective change over a long, longer period of time. So I really enjoyed stand up. And then I saw what uh, Kyle Lenny was doing, you know, chopped off Nash board, stick a go foil on it. And, um, I think that, that made a lot of people aware, right. And kind of the, what I remember for myself being, Oh, cool. You know, social media has some very interesting stuff on it. Let's dig into this and, uh, found your page. Right. And then, uh, kind of went off from there. So that was the, the beginning of it. To me, the perspective change from stand up paddle, just like from swimming to stand up paddle, and then from stand-up paddle to elevating and accelerating on the water was this feeling that I cannot match in any other thing I do and is always the same amount of fun as it has been since the first time. So definitely an addictive um, hobby. People call it, have it, whatever you want to call it. It is it's almost like a culture, but um, huge fan of it. And uh, definitely thanks for spreading it to the world, you know, literally. Right on, man. Uh, tell me about that. Do you remember that air chair session? I do. <laughs> it uh, in Atlanta we have um, lakes surrounding, so people have some lake houses and stuff. And uh, a friend of a friend had one, and you know wanted to try it. Nothing super pitchy. Um, you know, sitting on a snowboard in the water, strapped to it. You know, it's kind of pulling you down, like all aluminum, like straight up, <laughs> heavy. And um, the, I remember vividly the controls, just like with foiling, kind of the front push, bunt, front foot pressure. You're holding that rope and you kind of steer your height up and down with the rope. And I, that, I may have got a three or five second glide on that thing before just complete like nosedive, face plant strapped to the seatbelt. But uh, it definitely sat there. I remember that I had that memory. I still have it today. And now I can. Oh yeah, I remember I rode that thing back before people or that I knew of were standing on it, you know, back in the nineties. That's wild. Man, the wipeouts on air chairs just look so gruesome. And the airs those dudes sling. The, the airs they whip. Yeah. Unreal. <laughs> Tell me about uh, you know, hometown, your crew. 
um, you know, the conditions lay of the land? Yeah, we are um, in Newburgh, North Carolina, which is not on the coast, but on the convergence of uh, two rivers, the Noose River and Trent River there in North Carolina. Great small little town. And I've um, been there for about uh, 12-ish years in and out. But um, like I said, there was a small stand-up paddle shop there uh, in the beginning, and they kind of got me into the stand-up scene. And a lot of the local people as well hosted a couple races and um, – surfers at heart wind surfers at heart and marketed with stand up paddle and they've since it's at uh banks water sports is our name now but have fully transitioned into foiling so we have a local shop in newburn north carolina that is uh foiling specialized and it has people see us out all the time 12 to 15 folks you know of all types doctors lawyers construction uh military non-military out there on a good day, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 plus knots. And people are always like, Hey, what are you doing? I want to try that. Or I kited this one time. You're like, well, come check this out, go to the shop and talk to, you know, Charlie or Kate who worked there and own it, own the place. And they can get you set up with, you know, whatever it is you need, whether it's 150 liters and a six foot wing or six meter wing, or, you know, you're down, you need something like a 40 liter and a four meter wing to, to go rage on the, the high wind days. But it's a great, um, you know, great place, accessible, good wind, good people, and it kind of the same thing you see and hear about throughout. It's just a WhatsApp chat full of folks that track the wind and are completely obsessed with that feeling of flying, surfing combined on the water. And so that group chat sort of turned into the East Carolina Foil Club. That's right, right. We're, we don't sell anything. We don't market anything. Uh, fans of your page and a lot of others out there, but... Um, just a, a really a text string and try and post videos and pictures of everyone doing it. And people always ask like, well, what is that? How do I do it? Or can I try? And the answer is, yeah, come use my gear, use so-and-so's gear. I'm out of town or, you know, whatever. Everyone's welcoming and uh, the, it keeps growing. It's pretty cool. For the love. That's right. <laughs> um, in your house, you're, you live right on the water. I do. We're lucky. I am, um, on the water and what used to be a quarry, but it's now filled in so deep, you know, 30 feet deep. And we've got some boat docks and I've got a, a little personal dock at the uh, end of my yard. So it is, it's my little gym, my little water gym that I can jump in, um, play with the kids or during nap time, go out and throw dock starts or e-foil or park the ski or uh, use the moto winch, et cetera, which has been invaluable for me just to get the reps, you know? Yeah. I wanted to ask you about the winch. Yeah, Moto Winch is a great tool. Uh, saw it a couple of years ago, probably three years ago, and uh, it was being marketed online, you know, like, hey, buy into this idea. And I think I'd, I paid a couple hundred bucks to say, yeah, I'm interested in that. That's cool. You know, I probably lost 200 bucks, but whatever. I'm, a, you know, a fan of the idea. And uh, throughout uh, production, they started making models, and I received one last year, and it is, to my knowledge, the first self-toe winch out there there's been a couple that have hit the market since then that look pretty cool uh but moto winch um owner uh joey lives here in jacksonville and um great product it is a ski rope that you control as the rider with an uh bluetooth rc handle and thumbs thumb throttle similar concept to what you would use on an e-foil and uh, you can tow yourself up 
uh, and towards the winch itself and then drop the rope and pump away. And it just, it helps, right? Helps get those reps, get that time when you don't have a wave, the wind, a ski driver, or all the other things that we tend to find ourselves using in this uh, crazy sport. It's like there's no longer flat days. That's right. You know, it's like, hey, let's go hit the squat rack. And instead of hitting the squat rack, you hit the dock and, you know, do two minutes of pump foiling and then come out and do, you know, a couple toes on the moto winch. And then, hey, someone else shows up. Now you can drive the ski or uh, go rage on the e-foil. And if you're getting good at that, go put a kit on your back, right? And increase the weight and try and try and manage getting on the e-foil and getting up and moving the kit around. And they love it. It's super fun. We have a fun neighborhood. I love the idea of, um, you know, using foiling as not only, you know, a passion hobby, but as tr- cross training, like Absolutely. throwing weights on your back to, to, you know, to get that workout, but sounds about 30 times more enjoyable than going to the gym. Yeah. hundred percent, you know, you're outside in the water, like we talked about, I think, uh, the water brings me some peace, tranquility. Uh, I think there's definitely benefits to being in the water. And it's funny, you know, we got all kinds of people in our club. Uh, one is a UFC fighter, right? And he, trains to fight via foiling you know it trains enough particular muscles balance uh, endurance etc for him to you know he does other things too in preparation but foiling is a primary means for him to do what he does and that happens to be a very you know intense anaerobic exercise right you're fighting right but he gets a lot of benefit from foiling and it's pretty cool to watch you know that's right man uh, so you you also do quite a bit of e-foiling, um, seen some rad clips. Um, walk me through that. I know you you you've um, foil with your daughter. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. I'm lucky. Um, my wife allows it on occasion, right? <laughs> um, but I, to me, the e-foil was the entry, and uh, you need an entry in the sport. You can't. You can just go out, purchase something, and um, you know try and work it out whether that's behind someone's boat or ski or uh proning or whatever means you deem necessary but uh, for me it was e-foil and uh, i went in with lift and got an e-foil years ago and i love the product it's a great tool um i still have a lot of fun with it uh tuning trying different things uh, and taking my daughter out on it you know and riding waves and the folding prop it's all there um, people make fun of you like hey cook you're e-foiling you know but uh, I find a lot of benefit it brings me joy it's fun and I think in our um, part of the woods you've got real water sports out there that's a huge supplier to the east coast of a lot of gear um, but you've got random you know dealers in Greenville or Newburn, not even land or uh, water-based places that are Hey, I'm a lift affiliate, you know, and they'll end up selling a board to a friend of mine who lives down the street. So it's cool. It's definitely a great entry tool to the sport. It's the easiest way to get someone up and foiling, safest I way. Agree 100%. And it's freaking fun. I, I agree. You know, call me what you will. I'm having fun. So it's, uh, you can keep yelling names from the shore. It's like riding a scooter. That's right, an electric scooter, whatever. <laughs> it's fun. You just don't want your friends to see. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's much. It's far less. No, it's much better than that. Um, I agree, man. I don't give a shit. Like that thing is super fun. Yeah, for sure. So you um, primarily wing. 
or that's your your bread and butter? I think as you saw today, I do best with a power source, whether that is a ski or the moto winch or a wing or a kite. Um, the wind is definitely uh, my favorite, I guess, it, it, right now. Um, and so having a power source, I think, makes it a little bit easier than being self-powered, whether that's self-power in paddles, self-power in prone paddling, um, you know, or whatever new way that people are going to come with it, come up with on how to start, you know, uh, paddling into a boat wake. Boat wake, but uh, the wind definitely kite in the wing are the most accessible for me, and uh, it definitely enjoy doing those uh, where we live. Super easy, accessible. Between winging and kiting, what are I don't I've never kited. I know, I guess I don't know, but it seems like you can kite in almost no wind compared to, you know, winging now with big wings and, you know, eight meter um, handheld wings, you know, you can get out there super soft wind, but which one, which one can you do in the softest wind? I think light wind is is a great teacher. I spent uh, a year in Alabama living on like a farm pond and I was out there winging and kiting when I could. Uh, but I, I found that the, the wing's more forgiving just because it's a little bit lo- more logistically easy to deal with when the wind dies. But learning to wing or kite in light wind is challenging. Um, high wind is also challenging. The, you know, the mid-range, somewhere between 12 and 18-ish knots is kind of the sweet spot. But managing a kite in low wind, I think, is more challenging than managing a wing. It just takes effort to get up on foil with a large wing and light wind and I've, you know, six to eight knots, you can still go winging with the right equipment. I wouldn't put a kite up in six to eight knots, you know, 10 plus. And I'm talking like 15, 18 meter Ram air kites uh, for me. Guys right. do it. Bigger kites, less wind, but they're way better than me. <laughs> so I enjoy them both. You know, if I'm at the beach on the right day, uh, the kite offers a lot of speed, a lot of distance. And, um, the wing kind of, it's like riding a, a road bike for the kite and riding a mountain bike, you know, for the, for the wing to me, uh, you can ride bumps and you don't necessarily ride bumps on a kite, uh, with the wing, you can take advantage of kind of the ocean and the energy it provides whatever conditions that is with the kite. You're kind of ripping through that, focusing on the wind, um, but they both have their place and I enjoy them both. And I'm still learning every day, every time I go out. So we had a we had a prone session today, and you have you've had very limited experience proning. That's right. <laughs> Do you like how many sessions of prone are you doing? I've probably paddled out with the intent to prone uh, three, maybe four times. And um, first off, thanks to the Josh crew for allowing me to paddle out today in your lineup and meet you guys. Uh, but um, yeah, th- thanks to some coaching from some uh, pretty proficient dudes out there able to catch my first proper prone wave so i uh have to thank foil the world brian finch himself for uh those tips to get me you know four plus years of foiling and three to four prone sessions that i've actually gone out to specifically do that and always something wrong you know but uh, i'm not good enough to to know all the variables and be able to change them nor have the time or awareness to do so. And today you helped me out and I uh, was able to catch a wave, man. So super stoked on that. And thanks for all your help. Uh, I was so fired up, man. Um, Cause your first few attempts, you know, 
some launching straight and, cook man. and some yeah some tacos in action and and then uh and then i turn around i see you just drop in perfectly stand up and like pump and ride all the way to the inside it was it was amazing it's a trip like you have such limited experience paddling in prone and, and the pop-up and all that but once you're on foil like it's like oh yeah he's a good foiler like you have the skills but that little gap of you know lack of opportunity to practice you know the paddle in and pop up yeah but man, 100%. That, it only took you four or five tries in today and, and then you, you got that killer one and and then subsequent waves after you had um you already looked so much better than you know the first few attempts yeah great experience i'll say you know just being in the water with you guys and watching uh you know it's one thing to scroll the reels which i do daily you know check out the page or hey what's going on what's the newest thing and watch people like yourself that are proficient prone foil and make it look so easy just to be in the water and be there physically to see incredibly beneficial, right? Exponentially beneficial to uh, watch that in person. And so that helped uh, definitely helped me today skip probably 10 more sessions of failure <laughs> and score a, a single wave, you know, but uh, awesome session. It was rad to see. And it's obvious you're, uh, you know, a good athlete, you know, you have, body awareness and and tenacity you know i could see it in your eyes you're like i'm not i'm not not doing this today right yep <laughs> i'll be here until i catch at least one would your boys tell you with the east carolina foil club yeah i was texting some friends and uh they were like don't screw this up today do not do not screw this up in front of those guys right so <laughs> try to represent the club well and uh, call it a wave that's hilarious man and you caught a great wave and you rep the boys very solid um for you know the club back back home will pass the test in flying colors <laughs> any and all east carolina foil club members are boys with me or ladies and friends and they can come on down yeah, and hang right out on. man right on what's uh what's your favorite go-to spot favorite place you foiled maybe ever or your favorite go-to you know, the uh, local beach we have, Atlantic Beach there, is south-facing beach uh, in North Carolina. It's a great spot, beautiful water, uh, get good wind, good waves. Uh, if I had every day, I would go down there and do it. So probably favorite just because it's logistically I'm able to get there and do it. Um, but, you know, downtown New Bern's not bad. And from five-minute drive from the house to be setting up, you know, or leaving gear at a friend's house that's like grab and go like a buffet <laughs> and you can just go and get 30 minutes or 45 minutes or 15 miles if you want, you know, um, very thankful to have water access, right? It's not and it's open a river. ocean. Yeah, it's, it's a, a river. It's a convergence of two rivers that go into the Pamlico Sound, which is uh, kind of the, the inside of the Outer Banks, right? The backside of real water sports is the same water that comes out to our backyard you okay. know? so it's kind of cool that it all uh connects and stuff but yeah convergence two rivers about 10 air miles from the ocean uh so we get a good southwest that blows kind of over the land cleans up in the river and kind of straightens out so uh, i'd have to say most frequent easiest accessible that that downtown new Bern, you know hits it for us it gives us that ability to go foiling post work early in the morning you know, in between nap time or whatever opportunity you have. Uh, but the ocean always wins if you have the opportunity. Right. Do you, does it create fetch? Are there little waves in the river? Absolutely. You know, it depends on the conditions. We'll have in the winter, the uh, cold fronts come through and they push a north wind, usually colder wind. And it, 
just happens to align with a north-south river that uh, will push wind and water south and uh, create some some small bumps. And, and we have since been, you know, toying with the idea, as you've seen, everyone kind of after um, the AWSI last year kind of focus like on the downwind thing and, and be like, wait a minute, we, we might be able to do this here, especially with some of the tools that we have and uh, the people that we know that live along the river provide outs or safety or whatever it may be to paddle in if you need to. Um, and some dudes have just sent it, like gone out solo and like, just fought their way 10 miles down the river and gotten on a little river bump and, and road and on winging or, or sup on, on winging. Primarily we, we are working on the uh, sup. I don't think any of us are doing it successfully, but uh, we're working on it. Oh, that's so rad. And so the potential there is to send it, there's enough wave to send it sup. Yep. All the way. Um, you know, I don't think we could reach the ocean on foil. We can reach the ocean by, you know, paddling through some of the uh, rivers and, uh, we could put in where we live and end up in, you know, Beaufort Inlet, uh, which would be cool. But we, we got a ways to go. <laughs> How long is it drive from your place to real water sports in Cape Hatteras? You know, it's uh, it's a ways of a drive. It takes like three hours, but it's only like 100-ish miles. You know, it's just not um, conducive to roads. Right? Right. You drive so way around. Right. To get to the Outer Banks, there's some ferries, but uh, that kind of limits your time and ability as well. So would it takes be, about three hours to get out there. Would it be faster to wing it? <laughs> I think so, you know, and definitely toyed the idea. We have uh, a north-facing beach out there uh, that you could spit over to um, Ocracoke Island, and the next one up is Hatteras. And if you just kind of steer to the northeast, you could literally end up, you know, in the uh, Waterman's Foil Garden, as they call it out there. But okay. uh, Reel's a great spot. Been out there many times, and um, definitely those dudes have supplied with plenty of plenty of gear. How funny would it be to, you know, wing it all the way to, to Reel and then just, you know, pop out the, the garden and just go slug a beer? Yeah, right. And <laughs> go get some tacos. And uh, where'd you come from? <laughs> like uh, 50 miles that way. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That'd be so insane. Uh, speaking of, you know, mileage, um, tell me about your, I guess, uh, longest or best like downwind runs. Oh man, we, um, we're just, I think at the point in our little group of, uh, folks, 12 to 15 folks that we have the proficiency to go out in the ocean and do a proper like downwind together, right? You can go out there and do it solo, but you got to know what you're doing obviously. And, um, doing it with someone else motivates, keeps it safe, keeps it realistic and stuff. So super fortunate to have some folks down there uh, on the beach that have homes and have provided us a place to park, logistically stage our stuff, you know, and they've dropped us off. They've watched us kind of inch our way down the coast and then pick us up when we're done. Or, you know, last time we were out, got a 15-mile run in and my center strut deflated. I was riding a uh, Duotone D-Lab 5-meter and the wind had grown from about 15 knots to about 25, <laughs> Oof. way overpowered, but uh, still fun to try and try and try. You know, and when you're wiping out at 18 plus knots after about the 10th one of those, you're kind of fried. <laughs> and uh, my center strut popped and I, I was like, man, it's kind of a, this is my sign. Go on in. So stroll on into the beach uh, and get picked up by, uh, by a friend. But the goal is to do the whole island, uh, 20 mile one way trip from Emerald Isle down to Fort Macon, the end of Atlantic Beach. Totally doable. Guys do it on kite a good bit. Um, 
kite surfing, you know, proper surfboard and stuff. Uh, don't think anyone's, you know, proper stand up foiled it or winged it all the way, but uh, hopefully one of us will be able to bag that run this summer. So some guys are talking about it this weekend. Wind looks good, but um, definitely have some uh, accessible, good wind set up, good logistics and peach access the whole way. So should be doable. You could probably knock it out this weekend, but uh, we're, we're getting there with the proficiency within the crew. That's cool, man. Love to see the, the uh, <clears throat> just feeding off each other and pushing pushing the level and just growing like that. Yeah, another plug, right, for social media, watching you guys out in Hood River this summer and, and watching kind of the, the downwind thing catch on. You know, we see that and we're like, wait, we could do that here, like in a micro scale, but it's accessible. It's doable and we only see it because pages like yours or, you know, the other foil-specific pages out there that we see and that's the great thing about it you share you're like you're never like oh i'm better than that guy or i can do that it's like what is this person doing that looks so much fun that's a great idea here's fixes to the variables that you're dealing with which is an awesome thing so along the same lines of the downwind sends you're doing a race coming up soon yeah there's a east coast race uh, called the fort to battery they've been it's been hosted for years past and you know i think there's different divisions whether it be sailboat you know or um primarily in the past it was a uh, kite downwinder but now they've got a wing division and um one of our uh, crew members who's older than me last year uh did it and she said she finished dead last she didn't but uh she's out there ripping you know on her first you know first or second year of foiling and signed herself up for a race and, and now this year we're all just like waiting on the the data to drop and i think it'll be in, in mid-april force kite weight puts it on there in charleston south carolina and you you downwind into the bay of charleston which is a pretty cool place and um yeah we're trying to uh, line it up to go check it out yeah that's cool it's gonna be a blast Wait, you, and when are they gonna announce soon yeah, I think uh, they'll come out with details soon. Uh, lucky enough to ch- kind of chat with the shop just like on Instagram. Hey, you guys have dates yet? And they're like, no, we're working on it. And then uh, I believe mid-April. I don't want to speak for Force Kite and Wake, but check them out on Instagram and you can um, check the website. They kind of host it, put it on logistically, and looks like a super fun time. I love how so many events, foil events, are just springing up around the world. You know, foiling is just growing. It's growing and it's so beautiful to see. Yeah, and it, I mean, the community seems super welcoming. I'm not a surfer. I don't claim to be. And I think there's a specific surf culture, which is um, is what it is, right? Like, I'm not here to judge it or anything else, but it seems like we have something different in foiling specifically, that it's um, welcoming, forgiving. Uh, not that surfing isn't or can't be, but uh, just the, it, it's never like, hey, go away, don't do that, don't do this, don't do what I'm doing. Uh, I've never met anyone like that. And anyone that tries, it's like, what? I want to do that. How do I do this more? <laughs> Even myself now, you know, I'm sitting here talking to you, like, how do I do what you do? <laughs> when I was at Real Water Sports, I sent a prone downwinder with uh, Nuzzo and a couple of buddies. They actually winged. I, uh, I'm calling you out, Nuzzo. You need to send it prone. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, you sent it like a like a two mile run, and it's great conditions. It, it just seems like there's potential for really long runs, um, prone sup, especially winging. But how how far do you think in that zone? Because I, th- I believe we started up by a ferry or yep. south. And then you started by the Hatteras Ferry, I'm pretty sure, and then uh, worked your way up north. And not to cut you off, but 
yeah, those dudes out there have a great setup and uh, they're all very good. One of the places I learned how to foil with uh, Joey Harpstrike, getting me toes on the jet ski when I show up with my yellow school bus Fanatic 88, right? <laughs> in the wrong gear. And he's like, what is this? <laughs> like, just tell me, man, here's some money. And he did. He taught me a lot. So great people, great setup. Um, Joey's rad. He's, he's, a, he's sure. a cool dude. I think we are joking before that he has such a serious face. And then if you say something funny, like the way his you know smile lights up, you're like, oh, okay. yeah, right. Okay. Super humble, inc- incredible uh, water expert out there for sure. Great teacher, great athlete, for yeah, sure. awesome foiler. But Bro yeah, that sends it. Back to your uh, question. Luckily, I get to fly airplanes around the Outer Banks a good bit, and um, you know, flying from Cape Fear down in Wilmington all the way around Cape Lookout up to Cape Hatteras. There is with a southwest wind, you could go 150 miles. You know, and one day that would be a goal of mine, um, you know, supported with people and, uh, you know, wingers, kiters, whatever it may be. Uh, I think you could do it with the, the way the wind blows out there, you know, make your way 100 plus miles and uh, on whatever craft or, you know, sport genre you would like to do it. Um, need the proper support, but the wind's there, the ocean's there, and uh, it's such a such a special place out there. We're trying to build up to a 30-mile send from St. Augustine up to here to Jack's. Right on. And furthest is, I guess, about a 10-mile 10, 10 run. That's, that's, that's the furthest I've gone, um, prone at least. And the problem is it's so hard to get a sustained south wind that, you know, blows long enough to, you know, send you straight straight up the coast. It's so common that you get a few hours straight south and then it starts to bend southwest sure. and then just pushing you to shore and you get exhausted. But, the you know, the coastline is so straight. You don't even have to be all that far off the shore. And it's fairly, I, I consider it fairly very safe because, you know, you just it's sand everywhere. You just paddle in. Right. Um, just no, like, real crazy like channels and currents right. <laughs> i suppose like crossing the jetties is is kind of the the inlets is like um like volano inlet can be really scary that the flow coming out of there is wild uh you, you know even our local mayport so i guess the jetties is like go from jetty to jetty would be <laughs> or just past the jetty to just before the sure, jetty sure, yeah but uh yeah someday one day we're gonna get that the right conditions and go for it but yeah i'm, I'm i've uh I look at the wind maps often and it looks like you could on these northeasts you could send from basically you know savannah georgia straight to straight to jacks That's right um and then and even further like up into the carolinas on that bend i don't even know what i'm talking about that area but just seeing it on the maps like the great potential and on the maps it shows this you know i'm estimating like a 10 mile like just funnel and it, it just follows the coast down and outside of that like wind funnel you see different you know kind of swirling winds in different directions but at least on the maps it just looks like it just just pounds straight for you know a couple hundred miles yeah no i agree i think you know it, people are like well what's next what what are people doing you know whether that's like double backflips or if that's 100 plus 200 plus just like you see ultra running or bike ride across america like foil down the east coast i think there's some potential there for some long distance stuff and we have the amount of gear that's out there that's specialized um that's high end uh the equipment that people are able to wear 
and uh, the, the wind patterns that we have here on the East Coast open up a lot of opportunity for up and down the coast. Huge sense, you know, with whatever it may be, kite, wing, prone for you experts. What's <laughs> up? Yeah, right? Like um, definitely potential for some endurance events out there. So wild, man. Something to work towards. <laughs> yeah. What's your, what's your dream foil trip? Where would you go? Yeah, on the spot, dream foil trip. I've never been to Hawaii. Uh, you know, that's where you were when I originally started foiling you um, and following you. Uh, so I'd have to say off the top of my head, just to go there, watch the guys that, you know, I see on Instagram, watch them do what they do, just to see it in person to me. Those are like bucket list things. Go watch, be present, you know, not necessarily do. Partake, um, man. Partake. Yeah, partake if, if the conditions are right and the experience is there. But uh, to go there, to see it, and then, uh, yeah, to partake. It would be Hawaii, somewhere in the islands. Who would you bring? I uh, definitely want to bring, you know, my wife, uh, who's a fan of this, right, as much as, um, you know, I'm foil-brained and talking about it, watching it, and she's like, what do you want to watch? And I'm just ripping YouTube like foilers. <laughs> and it's been like that for years and she puts up with it. So uh, definitely bring the wife, uh, bring whoever in our crew that we could uh, to get to go, you know, and probably bring some friends that are, have seen me do it that are like, uh, you know, I don't know, or they've tried a neighbor of mine next door, another hair dude, you know, high intensity, like super in shape, all that stuff. And uh, introduce him to foiling. And he's like throwing dock starts and, riding the big yellow school bus behind the ski. But it's funny because he has a little boy and uh, his son's out there riding e-foil with me who's just like, you know, ripping a cig on the e-foil like it's no deal. And he's <laughs> like three, you know. Uh, so it'd be fun to introduce some, some more people because I think there's a lot of joy in that. When uh, you see someone, you see it click, right? You see them like, okay, I get it. I'm now elevated, accelerating in flat water on this thing. And uh, it... it that I'll never forget the first time I had it and it's just as good every single time and to watch that on other people's faces is incredibly rewarding I'm gonna hit you with the foil glossary here what's uh I'm gonna quiz you I sure thought this would be kind of fun double dip yeah so catch a wave uh ride it pump out and grab another uh, unable at this time I've caught a wave <laughs> double dip is is on the list of things to to do Grave digger. Grave digger. I'm not sure with the grave digger. That's when um, you're nearly stalled out and you're usually on the inside and, and yeah, you almost go down, but you just will yourself to remain on foil and you recover your speed and build it back out and pump out. Okay. So like thousand pound one legged squat. <laughs> so Got the it. grave digger, when, uh, when we see uh, a buddy like down the beach, do a grave digger, we'll, we'll, and makes it out, and they're pumping back, and we see them like give them a shout, and we'll do like the shovel symbol. Like, yeah, right on. Grave digger, he made it. Shore runner, shore runner, right? So you're uh, proning into uh, breaking waves upon the shore, and then working your way like a, a downwinder. But uh, you're you're on the small equipment and uh, just catching that shore break as you transition the coastline. Um, little plug there. I saw joining another guy out in real water sports. We were out there this summer and. I'm out kiting and they're using a dude with a kite towing them, you know, they'll catch and they'll make it a mile or so, maybe fall. And they just wait on the, the kite to show up and they kite tow in to another one. Super cool to watch. It's so rad. It's the 
the uh, pro level, the eco jet ski. That's right. <laughs> Connection turn. Uh, you know, I I think you're pumping back out, and then you want to get on a bump that's incoming, and so you got to rip it. Uh, something I'd say you're pretty good at in watching uh, your videos, watching you throw a spray with foil tips out or whatever, just trying to get on the next wave. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's the correction. <laughs> that's the connection turn. Absolutely. Um, slog out. I guess I think everyone knows this, but yeah, I think slogging. Either, I guess in general, just paddling out or pumping back out. I don't. I'm not sure which one. It's in in winging when you have to. It's usually when you're learning and you or or a spot that's like onshore and sure. you have to freaking. Oh yeah, yeah. we know it all your... too well. All too well. <laughs> the slog. Let, let, let's take a hundred liters of volume, add a six meter wing, inflated right, and just you're you're a floating balloon and you're just trying to make it through those waves. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you just squash ashore and you're defeated and you're like, well, I learned not to do that. <laughs> Find a rip. Um, the chip in. Yeah, seen. I mean, watched, never experienced, but uh, watching you guys take a, a small bump, you know, catch battles, stand up, pump out, right? It's your it's your way to get on foil. And then uh, free refills. I'm not sure about free refills. It's a pretty specific one in, in a term in jacks. I think Eric coined it. Um, that's when you have uh, an offshore wind, and the and pumping out outside is is you know the free it's just so easy sure it's like your recovery yeah cool easy and assistant you get the free refills out to the out to the connection well now my uh, vocabulary is uh, improved from this trip this reminds me of uh of a term you know the 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 term winging is so frustrating because we ride you know foils but we have a front wing and a back wing we're always talking about our wing and then our inflatable wing and man, we fucked up with this <laughs> in the industry with the, with this term, this overlapping weird term. But I've always wanted to, you know, make an effort to change the uh, the jargon to you know uh, a hand kite because you know it's not a kite because the kites are on strings, but it's a hand kite. Inflatable wing is just sounds it's a, it's a mouthful. It's a little dorky, but. <laughs> Yeah, if I had a, a throw at it, I mean, we make fun of ourselves in, in public because, you know, you always fall. Your, your hair is most likely going to get wet at some point, so might as well have fun with it. And oftentimes we call it wing ding a you know, just to string it out and make it even more obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Wing ding is, I know, but then it's hard to say, oh, yeah, my wing ding and my wing. <laughs> just yeah, like, hey, let's go wing ding a <laughs> That's a hard sell for someone that hasn't gone before. Wait, but get away from me. <laughs> yes. It sounds dirty. Right. <laughs> right on. Those are just like uh, kind of some fun foil terms and passive flying colors. Yeah, for sure. I don't know about uh, 100%, but uh, I'm learning, learning, learning. Well, the free refills, that's, that's pretty niche there. Um, Makes sense. Let's go back into, um, you're quite the athlete, dude. Uh Let's go back into your endurance sports, um, and how do they compare to like pump cardio versus you know running? You've done Ironmans and marathons, or yeah, I'm fortunate to you know have a, a working uh, body and uh, have enjoyed the endurance stuff. I, I grew up swimming, high school, a little bit in college, and a love of, for the water remains. Still swim, you know, for training uh, in a pool often but 
I enjoy, you know, exercise and the endurance and uh, endorphins and all those things that your your brain produces in order to make you feel good when you're doing that stuff. You know, runner's high, whether you're running a marathon or ultra or Ironman, um, you know, it's a gift. There's friends of mine out there that don't have the ability to physically do it, um, but they do it anyways, whether someone pushes them or, um, you know, they find a way to, to exercise. And it, I think it's, Yes, it's good for you, but what it does uh, in your brain definitely has me hooked. And the similarity between foiling and endurance sports for me is that cocktail that your brain produces, whether it's endorphins, cortisol, adrenaline, you know, dopamine. I get that same hit, that same feeling of um, joy foiling as I do if you go run 10 miles, you know, and I'd much rather go foiling. You know, then then go out and uh, you know sit on the bike for six hours or or whatever it may be. But I think the endurance stuff helps my ability to go foiling. You know, um, but nothing is like sitting out there and trying to pump for two minutes or five minutes. You guys are out there pumping plus twenty five minutes. You know, and you are gassed. Doesn't matter how good of shape you are in. It's like you know, it's a niche specific thing. You use certain muscles that you don't use anywhere else, and you're balancing. You know, uh, oftentimes my feet will cramp first, you know, just because they're not used to spending that much time in that position, right? Riding foil and uh, exercise is great. It's uh, it's a sterile way to enhance um, fitness and your health. But uh, I think foiling is better. You're outside, you're in the water. You see the sun, usually other people, you know, even if you're out there solo, it's sitting in the ocean waiting. There's There's something valuable to that. Certainly. I ran a marathon once. Nice. It was, uh, it was the, the Avenue of the Giants in Northern California, and it was spectacularly beautiful because you're running through, you know, a tunnel of giant ancient sequoia trees, and, uh, you know, it's a little bit foggy, so it's nice, uh, nice temperature. You know, you're not, it's not the blazing sun. Um, I overtrained for that. It was, you know, I didn't really know how to train, but I was following a training schedule of the mileage and you're supposed to peak and then back off. And my longest training, uh, my longest r- scheduled run leading up to, you know, kind of the back off period, um, I hit that mega runner high and I couldn't stop running. I like it was, I think it was an 18 mile run. It was supposed to be the, the highest mileage. Right. And I think I ran like 25 miles. Like, no, like not, to, I'm not trying to brag or something, yeah, yeah, but like it happens. got locked into this crazy zone where I was just completely euphoric and, and like runner's high while running. And yeah, I just, it was, it was such a weird thing. I was almost like possessed. I couldn't stop. I just right, went and went and I finally like checked my watch. And I look, I was like, oh damn, this is not a good idea. And, uh, you know, made my way home. That was another couple miles because I was doing these kind of like zigzag loops out in the, out in the bogs, the, the flats. Um, and, and the next day I woke up with gnarly shin splints. <sighs> I like completely overdid it. Yeah. It, it went seven miles over, huh? <laughs> Dude. And, uh, and so, you know, I backed off and I rested several days. I was icing and just trying to recover and, uh, did another, you know, very light, just a couple mile run you know, a day or two before the race. And I limped from my car to the part, to the starting line registration and, and still like, do I do this? Like, uh, I don't know, like freaking legs sore. 
And long story short, you know, I just, I went for it and, you know, first five, six miles were pretty brutal, but then, you know, things lubed up, <laughs> blood got going, the muscles loosened up and, and I ran it pretty, pretty good. I was proud of my time, you know, especially for a first time marathon. It was like 440, something like Absolutely, that. Absolutely, man. Um, and then I never ran again. <laughs> hey, I you did it. Done. <laughs> yeah. Check that box. It was, I, I've. I felt like I had so much value from that though. Um, just, you know, per, you know, perseverance, um, you know, just the, just the, you know, the training leading up to it was a commitment. Yeah. That's um, 90% of it, you know? Yeah. And, and just the mental fortitude I gained from that was, was pretty amazing. But I do remember a different kind of runner's high from different from my trance I, I got into in the marathon. Um, I remember crossing the line and like, the world almost shrank and I remember like standing up and I was like kind of dizzy and I was holding on to like a, a really tall traffic cone and I was just standing there kind of glazed out and I remember thinking oh this is runner's high <laughs> that's it <laughs> but so was that cortisone or was it what chemicals you know like I, flooded I, my brain I think um people talk about flow state often it's a pretty common topic these days and I don't know if we've got it nailed down scientifically maybe but um I, whatever the human body produces in a stress situation, whether it's physical, mental, you know, feats of strength or near death, whatever it may be, the the body has this natural reaction to that. And, um, you know, reading, researching a little bit about it, it's a, it's a cool place to be. Uh, I've experienced it myself, you know, flow state or, you know, runner's high, mostly probably endorphins and some adrenaline mixed in with the side of cortisol. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> You know, I don't know scientifically specifically what it is, but I've experienced it. I do enjoy it and, um, you know, look for it on those those longer, tougher events. But you don't always get it. And I think that's a good thing because if we always got it, we'd be pushing the edge, you know, the edge of the envelope every time, you know, and you don't necessarily need to do that uh, in life. Yeah, you don't need a 24-7 red line, right? Yeah, exactly. It's not sustainable. <laughs> but the benefits that come from searching for it are the things like you talked about, you know, mental toughness, perseverance, you know, the internal monologue you have with yourself and the way you grow by experiencing that stuff, you know, um, definitely valid. People spend their whole lives doing that or careers uh, teaching people how to do that. A friend of mine's a triathlon coach, and he's one I was talking about earlier that pushes his brother who's got cerebral palsy in Ironman like tows him in a canoe and pushes him on a bike and wow. runs with him. The whole deal, right? Um, and it's a blessing to be able to do it yourself physically. You know, it's it, Kyle, his brother, can't do it physically. He participates in it, you know, and it pushes uh, Brent, his, his brother, my good friend. Uh, they're both my good friends, but motivating stuff like that is is um, just like today. It, it tells me as someone who's, you know, physically able to go do something like, hey man, like the waves aren't perfect, but go surfing. Remember when you watched these guys in Jacksonville just rip circles around you, <laughs> right? That's incredibly motivating. And the same thing, you know, with the endurance sports, watching my buddy Brent push his brother Kyle uh, through Ironman. They've done it multiple times too. It's just, it's incredibly motivating and it's driving to say, hey, let's go, you know, go for a long run or think about these guys next time or, you know, sad tear down the face right. as you're out on a solo, like, little run. A little crocodile tears. Yeah. And then you're, I don't want to do this. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. That's, that's, yeah, uh, it is. It's awesome to watch those guys.
<clears throat> are there any parallels between um, being a jet fighter pilot and flying jets and foiling? A hundred percent. Aerodynamics, fluid dynamics are similar. I'm no engineer, but they are, you know, the way things move through a medium. I think we've got it somewhat figured out when it comes to air and water specifically, right? Working on other materials, right? Uh, like space and stuff, but airplanes, I mean, that's what a hydrofoil is. It's an airplane shaped device in a thicker medium than air creating the same principles, you know, lift, drag, you know, all uh, some other forces uh, to be in there. But my love for flying is combined in, in foiling because you are flying and you are surfing and you are using that, that science to uh, propel yourself forward, up, down, left and right. I think a lot of the front wing design and tail wing design and fuselage length and uh, mast design, super similar, you know, in jets I fly, the jet I fly, it's, it's built inherently unstable to create a highly maneuverable thing, right? It's an anhedral, the Harrier is a nasty old, <laughs> you know, airplane, uh, anhedral, carbon fiber, titanium, and uh, it can bend, you know, and it, defies physics at a certain point because we vector our thrust as well. What's, Those, what's that mean? Uh, you know, I, most airplanes are propelled forward by a jet engine that spits out the back. Mm -hmm. And in the air, I can move where that exhaust comes out of down, right? So the jet stops in midair and hovers. You know, I can turn around and go the opposite direction. Really, oh, it's used to, a Harrier. Okay. to land aboard ship. True lies, <laughs> if you've ever seen <laughs> yep. the movie. Yeah, right? Just ask Arnold. Arnold knows. <laughs> exactly. But uh, listening to the designs of different companies and watching people talk about what they feel and looking at different wings, you know, high aspect versus mid aspect versus surf versus, you know, whatever else is out there, um, the design is very similar to that of uh, airplanes, right? And the tail wings, more importantly, I think people focus on of this has too much flex or let's chop it down, let's make it smaller, let's make it more unstable in order to be maneuverable, right? And the same thing with uh, aerodynamics and the way kind of modern fighter jets are created is for that instability in order to maneuver, right? to get in the spot you want to be, right. advantageous spot. Or get out of a exactly. spot you don't want to be, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, is our uh, foil sections in the conversation in jets? <laughs> I'd say yes between my group of friends because, you know, we're always talking about foiling and uh, we have some, um, some friends that got into kiting, you know, in Corpus Christi, which I didn't. I got in the game late, but uh, Corpus Christi is such an awesome spot for high winds and, uh, you know, the, the winging, foiling, kiting scenes pretty big down there. Uh, I, I wasn't into it there, but I've met uh, folks in the military that went through flight school and they, they went through Corpus or Kingsville, Texas, and they got into kiting there. And I'm like, man, I wish I had gotten into it there. And they're like, you know, they show up to the fleet and I meet these guys and we make best buds. And I'm like, hey, have you tried foiling? And they're like, no. And they end up trying it. And all of a sudden the club grows. It's, it's pretty cool, the similarities. You have a lot of the same type A personality, sure, but like adrenaline-seeking kind of folks, you know, right? That, uh, out there doing stuff active. And um, the good spots that were stationed close to the water allow the opportunity to be on the water, whether it's surfing, you know, sup, wing, 
kite and I think foiling is the biggest, most popular thing that people see now. Is in, I'm kind of asking this twice, although you did answer a lot of that. Um, but so foil section is not in the nomenclature in speaking in, in different jets and their performance. No, we talk about a lot of the same, uh, design characteristics, not necessarily like foil section, but we talk about camber angle of attack. You know, I have, digital angle of attack display in my airplane at all times, right? That's very important to me when it comes to stall speed, right? Same right. thing happens. You go too slow and that wing stops producing lift um, and you fall out of the sky. You don't just fall like into the yeah. water, right? <laughs> just uh, but all of those centimeters. data points are the same, you know, uh, wing design, anhedral, dihedral, high aspect, low aspect, uh, camber, AOA, et cetera. All of those data points are discussed in detail. When it comes to aerodynamics, that's where it comes from, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe like hydrodynamics may have come first, but I think this True. designs are so similar now that uh, they both apply. That's fascinating, man. It is. Um, in when you're flying a jet, what's the is your focus? If you're comparing flying a jet with the focus needed for like hauling ass on a wing out in the ocean and reading, you know making micro adjustments and high speed like data processing what's the similarities there when you're going mock whatever in a harrier yeah the harrier's kind of the uh, slow fat kid we, we're I, limited at mach 1.0 but um we'll run you know low levels at night um you know 500 feet 500 knots 450 knots and that is all it's ultimate processing right you're strapped into this thing and you're going fast, going low and uh, maneuvering in order to defeat something, target something else, make it in and out, fight your way in, fight your way out. High processing rate um, and you're pretty much at capacity. You land from those sorties and you're just like gassed. <laughs> Can imagine. Same thing, right? Uh, as my experience in the longer runs we've done, you know, 15-ish miles, trying to just survive <laughs> with, you know, 20 miles at your back. and In water? Yeah, in water, water. Doing okay. da downwind okay. foiling, I am trying to process the same stuff as not hitting the terrain or, you know, using a, okay, a bump or trying to work my way to the next one or letting off on a gust or whatever it may be. That flow state we kind of talked about, it's the same. No matter what gets you there, once you're there, I think your body reacts pretty much the same depending on the situation, very similar each time you get there, right? Like, and I think I can get there flying an airplane. I can get there via exercise. I can get there on the water foiling just, um, and it's, it's that same spot where I can be like, circle it like, okay, I am in what I believe to be my flow state right now. And that's super cool, but you don't have time to just be like, oh, look, I'm in flow, right? <laughs> right. You're like, it's on, right? right. <laughs> What's, oh man. Do you get into a flow state or, I mean, it's so much more serious and consequential when you're flying a jet at Mach 1. Is is it like an instant? I think, you know, you have a, a certain capacity. Humans have a certain capacity to process data. And uh, over time, you can get yourself into that. And I've definitely been there in productive sorties, you know, whether it's combat situations where you're uh, relying on somebody else, you know, and you, it's time for you to go get gas from a tanker airborne 
and the other dude to tap in, right? He's in the octagon now fighting the fight. You go get gas, you come back, and it's this transition of who has the most situational awareness, what's going on, transit that to each other via radio, data, whatever, and now you're you're in the fight. You're back, you know, fighting the beast in the octagon. And um, very cool to get there and, and do that in an airplane, totally possible. But uh, I think it's accessible and a lot of other things too, like we talked about um, exercise, <laughs> endurance style for me and then uh it is the most rewarding in a less consequential environment <laughs> like the ocean not that that's inconsequential but i'd rather be out you know foiling wing kiting whatever than um have to be in a combat scenario to get there if that right. makes sense so will you've been you know a participant in the sport for a long time you're an early adapter i'm curious where do you see the sport of foiling evolving to I think we've seen what Europe has done with uh, more races, you know, whether that be with a moth, you know, the sailboats that rip or uh, the winging races that are popping up and the um, performance kite racing. That stuff's been around a little bit, but I think now it's coming to more of an accessible kind of like 5K-ish style, like fun run type events, like the uh, Fort to Battery that is being put on. That's the only East Coast one that I know of. I know people from um, Jupiter, Florida. I don't know them personally. Um, Damian Leroy and his buddy went up, I believe, the year last year they had it and they, you know, participated. And then, uh, you know, people from up north come down. But I think the winging thing can catch on. You know, it's super accessible, logistically easy, and not too terrible to learn. A great access point for foiling. Hopefully, we'll see more of those. Um, like we just talked about the the longer endurance events, I think once people gain the skill set in order to self-propel, whether that's prone or paddle, you know, and cut the wind out as a power source, but uh, self-propel yourself into and onto foil, and then how far can you go? I think I foresee that, you know, being a fan of endurance stuff of where the next step or two steps down the road or where this thing is going. You know, so watching people like James Casey or some of the other I- extreme dudes in Australia and New Zealand. They're doing 80K runs like on the regular. Yeah, now. right. Like on a Saturday, like no big deal. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wednesday afternoon. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> I think the more people that gain experience doing that could open it up to some places that we never thought about. Like our little hometown, we've got like a 10, 12 mile stretch that we could go unassisted, you know, with paddle or even prone at a certain level. We can't, you could, but um, we're striving to get there. And I think it's that what's next, what you may be good at winging or kiting. And like today I caught my first proper prone wave, um, but a long way to go with uh, proning, a long way to go with stand up paddle and self propel flat water starts and sucking at that is so much fun in the sport, right? Like it's not this, frustrating thing like you see in traditional baseball or the kid chuck the bat or get pissed off and walk off the field it's like you fell and you laugh and you get up and you try again like it's not so serious it's uh there's more joy to it sucking with a low level of skill is so much more enjoyable than um stagnating with a high level of skill i think that's uh, well said for sure stagnation can be one of the most frustrating things we feel topped out or having a problem or you know difficulty improving i've gone through that stage way more than i'd like to admit 
And mostly a lot of it is through just, you know, prototyping, trying to find, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the ultimate ride, so to speak, you know, tuning equipment and constant, that constant search for, you know, improvement in either boards or wings or foils. Um, it's easy it, or I should say it's difficult to progress when, when you're not spending a lot of time on any one piece of gear that's performing, you know, at whatever level. But that's interesting you say that because, yeah, it can, it's, it's frustrating. But being a kook is a blast. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I don't think too many people have experienced that uh, with your level of expertise in the sport and doing what you do. I'm more of a, hey, let's try 10 different things and be okay at 10 different things, right? And when I suck at one, I can pick another and take a break. But, uh, yeah, I can imagine it it can be frustrating to stagnate. I'm not good enough at any of the things that I participate in to, to stagnate. Uh, but it's fine to always try and increase ability, ride a smaller wing, you know, see how fast you can go, see how, how many miles you logged, you know, how light can you get out and, you know, take advantage of it or how high a wind can you stand on the board, et cetera. You know, every day there's a variable that you can pick to either win or lose with. And, uh, that, that kind of struggle, makes each session valuable. I certainly have so much more to go and to learn and improve in in all the disciplines. And I've still yet to try, you know, kite foiling. Um, and to be honest, not high on my list priorities still for some reason. I get turned off by just the strings and the extra gear. <laughs> yeah, like, the logistics. Yeah, I've just, you know, spent, you know, half my life or more you know just picking up a board sure maybe it swapping the fins you know and going out right um that that's that's kind of a turnoff but i know it's i know there's something to learn from it sure and there's yeah new experience and then the kook factor the the eco toe right yeah the (laughs) eco toe you know absolutely we have a a gentleman in our group who you know is a doctor and big time windsurfer uh has surfed in hawaii windsurfed in hawaii and all over the world and uh got into the wind foiling, right? So wind surfing on a foil and he's pretty, he's really good at that. And I think of the sports I've tried in the water, wind surfing itself has been the most challenging with that, you know, either big sail, small board, big board, big sail, whatever. And just to do it proper or traditional, let alone putting a foil on and watching guys rip around with the stuff that they've got, it's pretty cool. Not that I'm interested in trying anything new. I'm kind of tapped out on hobbies, but um, (laughs) it's cool to watch, you know, other people do some, you know, stuff I've never seen and may not ever even get a chance to try and uh, rip at it. So another reason why I kind of shy away from the kite foiling too, is that um, I don't want to spread myself too thin. (laughs) You might like it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You don't want to have to like something else. (laughs) Too much gear, too much, yeah. I only have so much garage space to begin with, but Tell me. but um, yeah, you know, my time is already split so much between winging and, and prone and and uh and downwinding now and trying to trying to get proficient on the sup in these meager ass conditions we've had lately. It's sure. frustrating, but but yeah, that's another reason kind of kind of shy away from yet another discipline. And uh, oh, I, I struggle with the same man, like the e-foil and the kite foil and the wing foil and the sop and the, you know, winch and all the things. It's like managing. I'm very fortunate and I have a lot of gear because my time is very limited and it's probably one of my most valuable resources. So no matter what the conditions, if I have the time, I want a piece of equipment to help me go foil. 
to get that endurance dopamine drop, you know, like that, that flow state. I'm searching for getting that smile, right, that you get. And no matter what the conditions, uh, whether that's an e-foil, you know, like I said. So, yeah, my garage looks uh, ridiculous and the storage unit looks ridiculous with all the stuff. But it allows that finite period of time for you to go do the thing, you know, and still come home and on the dishwasher and make dinner, and, you know, keep life on track. You and Laird should have a garage off. <laughs> I think he'd win. I know he'd win. But, uh, Will, any final thoughts here? Anything to leave the, uh, the listeners with? Well, number one, um, thanks for allowing me to paddle out today. Call my first prone um, wave, and that's uh, incredibly motivating to sit out there, watch you guys do it. So thanks for that. Thanks for your page, what you do with Foil the World. It's incredibly humbling to see something that's focused on all the way from entry level to beyond expert, you know, pro level stuff that you're able to do and spread. And no matter who, if the person's just getting into foiling or just getting into prone or winging, they can check out your, you know, your page and always stay motivated and, you know, follow what you're doing, you know, open up winging magazine or, you know, any of the other, check out your, your border range or whatever it may be. Your name is up there at the top and uh, it's just, it's cool. It's rewarding to be able to uh, be a part, be a fan, meet you in person and uh, appreciate everything you've done for foiling because it's definitely helped me and it's helped a lot of my friends that I've turned to the sport that uh, just follow foil the world. So, well, I appreciate that very much. You know, it's, it's a group effort. Um, I learned so much from other people and we're just, you know, exchanging ideas. And my idea has always been to, you know, um, just try and convey everything that I've learned in foiling to, you know, pass it on to the next folks. And, and it's kind of a, you know, a round robin of sharing ideas and concepts and, you know, techniques and all that kind of stuff. So I appreciate the kind words and, um, I'm, you know, super grateful to everyone that's helped me and taught me as well. Thanks again so much for coming on, Will. Really appreciate it. Um, I want to personally thank you for your service and thank you for support over the years. And now thank you for the friendship. Yeah, for sure, dude. Thanks so much for uh, letting me down here, getting to meet in person. It's an honor to be able to surf and you know chat. So I'm going to remember that wave for a long time. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Foil the World podcast. Please, uh, if you enjoyed the content, um, go ahead, subscribe, like, and most importantly, I could use a review to you know bump up on the charts and, and get Foil the World podcast out there to more listeners, more, um, more info spread, and more stoke for, for the world. So sincere thank you, and Foil the World. Mm-hmm.